Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're continuing our series this morning, Let Us, which is the invitation of the Lord to us. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, if you'll turn there with me. And this morning's message is, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Uh, Chuck Swindle, which is a well-known minister and author, uh, shared a story about four guys who went mountain climbing one weekend. In the middle of the climb, one fella slipped over a cliff, dropped about 60 feet, and landed with a thud on the ledge below. The other three, hoping to rescue him, ran and yelled, Joe, are you okay? And he responded, I'm alive, but I think both of my arms are broken. Well, they said, we'll toss you down a rope. Just grab it, lie still, and we'll hoist you up. So a couple minutes after dropping the rope, they started to tug and, and, and to pull, and they're grunting to lift his weight, and, and they're working feverishly to pull their wounded friend back to safety. When they had him about three quarters of the way up, they suddenly remembered that he had said both of his arms were broken. So they said, Joe, if you broke your arms, how in the world are you holding the rope? And Joe responded, with my teeth. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you just have to hold on any which way you can, right? Because there's no alternative. And that's true for our faith as well. Read with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. The scripture says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And you know, that phrase, let us, is used repeatedly in Hebrews chapter 4. And it's an invitation to us, a call to respond to God's great love and gracious offer and promise to us. Instead of God saying, you must do this or you need to do this, God invites us to do the things that will bring his great blessings into our life. So in this series, Let Us, we're looking at three wonderful invitations that God extends to all of us. The first invitation is the invitation to enter into his rest. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it online because we all need rest for our soul, especially the days that we're living in. Today, we're looking at the second invitation to hold firmly to what we believe. Holding firmly means to grab on and refuse to let go. We need to hold on tight. We need to hold firmly to the things that we believe, and we need to hold firmly to the Lord. We tend to hold on tightly to the things that are important to us, don't we? As a parent, if you're walking in the crowd with a small child, what do you do? You hold firmly to your child's hand, so that you don't get separated and they get lost. When there's instability in the economy, we tend to hold firmly to our money, right? 
we hold on tighter. We grip tightly what we value and we don't let go. Here in Hebrews 4.14, God encourages us to hold firmly to what we believe. But what exactly does it mean to hold firmly to what we believe and how do we do it? Well, first of all, we hold on tight to what we value most. So hold tight to your faith in the time of hardship. Don't let go. Don't cast off your faith. Hold tightly to it and persevere. Sometimes when people ask us how we're doing and, 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 and we're going through a difficult time, we may say something like, I'm hanging on. Have you ever said that? I'm hanging on. Or we may encourage someone who's discouraged and we say, hang in there. Things will get better. Or many of us are pr probably familiar with that saying, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. You ever heard that? Amen. God is telling us here in Hebrews that we need to hang on tightly to our faith. And the Christians to whom the writer of Hebrews was speaking were suffering terrible persecution for their faith. Some had lost their homes and all of their possessions or their businesses. Some had been disowned by their family, friends, and community. Some were being tortured and some had even been martyred. They had been killed for their faith. So they were facing many perils and some of them were tempted to give up. They were tempted to cast off their faith, to let go of their confession of faith that they had made in Jesus Christ and go back to their old life, go back to the world. They were tempted to turn back from the new life that they had started to experience in Christ. And in the preceding verses, God reminds us of the failure of the Israelites in the wilderness because they got to a point where they wanted to go back to Egypt. After all the years that they were crying out to God, deliver us, deliver us, they got to a place where they were facing a hardship and they wanted to go back to Egypt. All because they were facing difficulties that they thought were too big for them. And so they abandoned their faith rather than remaining faithful to God. And that's why they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and dying there and never entering into the promised land. But God says in the time of hardship is when we need to hold on the most to our faith. Folks, that's when you need faith the most. And you need to hold on tightly. We need to hold tightly to our relationship with Christ and not let the trials of life pull us away from him. We must hold fast to the gospel, the good news of God's great love for us through Jesus Christ. And if he gave his own son for us, will he not with him also give us all things that we need? We need to hold fast to the good news of the gospel. We must hold fast to our faith. We must not allow anything to pull us away from him. I read the story of a father who took his young daughter named Bonita uh, for a motorcycle ride. And he shouted over his shoulder to her, hang on, honey. And she hugged him as tightly as she could as he just gunned the throttle and the motorcycle shot forward. And the ride was so much fun. It was exhilarating. And there were bumps and there were curves and, and there were fast straightaways and there were stops and there were starts. But Bonita was safe because she never loosened her grip on her father. She clung to him as tightly as she could, and she enjoyed the ride. 
God is telling to us, like this father said to his daughter, hang on, honey. God is saying to us, hold on, my child. Life is going to be filled with twists and turns and dangers and difficulties and stops and starts. But the one thing you must never do is to let go. You must hold fast to your faith. You must cling to me and I will get you through. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. So we need to hold tight to all that we have believed. Why does he tell us hold tight to what you believe? Because trials tend to, to tempt us to doubt and question what we believed. I mean, just look at John the Baptist. When John was free and preaching, he said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was sure, right? But then he gets arrested and he's facing being beheaded for his preaching. What does he do? He sends messengers to Jesus and asks the question, are you the one or should we look for another? What happened? Now he's facing difficulty and it's causing him to question what he once believed confidently. And that can happen to all of us. When we go through difficulty, we tend to question the things that we once held with confidence. And God is saying, hold fast to what you believe. Just because your circumstances have changed, the truth of who I am and what I've promised has not changed. Hallelujah. God's word is just as true in the time of testing as it is in the time of blessing. Hallelujah. God's promises are just as sure in the light as they are in the darkness. God's faithfulness, love, and mercy are just the same in the good times as they are in the bad. In 2 Timothy 1.12, and I'm going to read this from a version called the Berean Study Bible because I think it, it, it will help us to understand this verse a little bit better. It says, for this reason, even though I suffer as I do, I am not ashamed. This is Paul writing. He's suffering for the gospel. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. He says, for this reason, even though I suffer as I do, I am not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard or keep what I have entrusted unto him unto that day. What was Paul saying? Paul's saying, I've been suffering a lot. And if you read his life, you know he went through a lot for the sake of the gospel. He said, I've been suffering a lot. But what has gotten me through is that I know that I know that I know whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep me unto the end. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. You know, on Facebook, they have a feature called People You May Know. How many of you have ever seen that on Facebook? Amen. And it's based on friends of the people on your friends list. And most of the people you may know on that list, they come up all the time, and I don't know them. But every once in a while, somebody pops up that I may recognize, maybe from my college days or from ministry encounters as I used to travel around the United States. In today's social media world, we have greatly lessened the meaning of the word no and the meaning of the word friend. What do I mean by that? I have almost, it's, it, the number has increased, I have almost 5,000 Facebook friends. Many of whom I have never even met. 
But Paul says, I know whom I have believed. He's not talking about knowing from a distance or knowing about by simply hearing or reading about Jesus. The word know that is used here in the Greek is edo, and it means to see with your eyes, to pay attention, to expect, to, to, to examine. It's, it's being a firsthand witness. Paul is saying, I have an up-close and personal relationship with Jesus, and I have come to know by experience with him that he is able to keep all that I have committed unto him. Through his own personal experience, Paul had experienced Jesus to be completely dependable in all circumstances. And his personal knowledge of Jesus gave him a confident assurance of God's unfailing faithfulness. I know whom I have believed. Paul had an unwavering, abiding trust and confidence in Jesus, even as he was in prison facing a possible death sentence. Hallelujah. That's the kind of faith we need to have. Amen. When we know Jesus by our own personal experience, we will come to trust his unfailing faithfulness. So let me ask you a question. Do you know, and I don't mean know with a head knowledge, do you know whom you have believed? Hold tight to him in the time of trouble. You will not be ashamed. He will not disappoint you. The Bible say that, says they that trust in the Lord shall not be disappointed. Amen. When we know him, we will be confident that even in the worst times, he is faithful. And he will keep us. He will guard us. He will hold on to us. A second principle, hold tight to the God who holds you. Let's hold tight to our faith because we have a great high priest, Paul, the writer of Hebrews says. Look at verse 14 again. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. He is, Jesus is our great high priest because unlike the Old Testament priests or the Old Testament high priests, Jesus was sinless. So the Old Testament high priests, they were not sinless. They had to apply the blood of a lamb to themselves first before they went into the Holy of Holies where God's presence was. And even after they applied the blood of the lamb to themselves, they had to put a rope around their waist and bells at the bottom of their robes. So in case they entered in and they were struck dead by the holiness of God's presence, nobody else could go retrieve their body, but they could pull it out by the rope. That was the earthly high priest. But we have a heavenly high priest. The earthly high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one time a year, but our high priest has entered into the Holy of Holies of heaven and he is there today ever interceding for us. Hallelujah. And five times throughout the book of Hebrews, the author says, we have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. That's our high priest and he's interceding for us. You see, Christ's ministry for us did not end at his death on the cross. He continues to minister on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us that since Jesus Christ is our high priest, it means that we have an advocate 
with the Father. Have you ever had a connection somewhere and you needed to get something done or get something accomplished away? You say, oh, I know somebody that works there or I know somebody in the immigration department or I know somebody in the police. Have you ever uh, done that? Because what? You have a connection, right? You have an advocate, somebody that will uh, step up on your behalf. Well, we have the best connection ever, amen? We have an advocate, our high priest, Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. An advocate is someone who offers support, someone who gives strength and counsel and intervenes or intercedes for us when necessary. One writer says it means that Jesus is our defense attorney or lawyer who pleads our case before the Father when we have sinned or when we are in need. Hallelujah. When you have a need, Jesus is pleading your case to the Father. You can't get any better advocate than that because he's sitting right next to the Father. Amen? Hallelujah. And as our representative before God, he makes the resources of heaven, including all of the grace, the sufficient grace of God, God's power, God's mercy, he makes all of that freely available to us. As our great high priest, Jesus is our advocate. We have a divine helper, a divine helper to be able to hold firmly. He will help us to hold firmly to our faith. Isaiah 41, 13, God says, For I hold you by your right hand. For I hold you. This is God speaking. For I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Hallelujah. Next time you're going through a trial, read Isaiah 41, 13, and just picture God reaching down and holding you by your right hand and saying, don't be afraid, I am right here to help you. I saw a meme that says, God says, if you hold my hand and something happens, you might let go. But if I hold your hand, no matter what happens, I won't let go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a Christian song titled, Hold On To Me. And the verse says, hold on to me when it's too dark to see you, when I'm sure I have reached the end. Hold on to me when I forget I need you. When I let go, hold me again. And oh, how we need God to hold on to us, amen? To hold on to us. We can hold firm to our faith because our God is holding on to us. Let us hold tight to our faith because we have a sympathizing high priest. Look at verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You see, Jesus left heaven and came to earth. And he took the form of a human being, and he lived among us, and he experienced everything. Say the word everything. everything. Jesus experienced everything that we experience. He understands the weakness, the frailty of our human condition. He understands our stresses, our afflictions, our frustrations, our emotions, our disappointments, our fears, our doubts. All that is a part of our humanity, he understands because he experienced it. He understands our temptations, 
the worldly and demonic influences that target our weaknesses and try to cause us to cast off our faith because he himself was tempted of the devil. He understands how, how the enemy comes to, to, to try to seduce us to look to earthly means of dealing with our stresses or problems like taking a drink or, or looking at porn or, or eating a gallon of ice cream or, or buying things that we can't afford. But those are the mechanisms that we use to try to cope with these feelings that we can't handle. But Jesus understands the struggle with temptation. He understands the, the struggle of the flesh to turn stones into bread, to, to appease our fleshly desires, to alleviate our desires outside of God's will. Or he understands the struggle to get the crown without the cross. When Satan said to him, just bow down to me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. He understands that the temptation to try to get ahead in life our way rather than waiting upon God and being obedient to God and we could go on but Jesus was tempted in every way that we are but without sin so what does it mean it means that he understands our struggle and he doesn't look at us with with disgust when we are tempted and say how could you after all that I've done for you you're so weak and pitiful he doesn't look at us that way no He's our sympathizing Savior. He looks at us with sympathy. He doesn't have to imagine how hard it is for us because he knows how hard it is because he's gone through it. He has experienced it in every respect. No one understands you like Jesus. Not your husband, not your wife, not your best friend, not your pastor. No one understands you like Jesus. I read the story of a paper boy back in the days when paper, uh, paper newspapers were popular, but he saw a puppies for sale sign as he was on his delivery route outside a farmhouse on his route. And so the boy got excited, jumped off his bike, uh, saw the farmer, called to him and asked, sir, how much are the puppies? And the farmer said, $25, son. And the boy's countenance just fell. But the boy asked, well, sir, I don't have $25, but could I at least see the puppies? So the farmer whistled, and in a moment, the mother dog came bounding towards them with four cute puppies just running right after her. And then one last puppy came struggling and straggling and dragging himself behind because one hind leg was, was crippled. And so the little boy asked, what's the matter with that puppy, mister? And the man said, son, that one is crippled. The vet says he doesn't have a hip joint and that his leg will never be right. He'll never be able to use his leg. The boy's face lit up as he reached into his bag and he pulled out a 50 cent piece and said, mister, I want to buy that puppy and I'll pay you 50 cents a week until I've paid off the $25. The man said, son, you don't understand. That pup will never be able to run and jump with you. He, he'll be crippled forever. Why would you want such a useless pup like that? The boy paused for a moment. Then he reached down and pulled up his pant leg, exposing an iron brace strapped to a twisted leg. And then he said, mister, the pup is going to need someone who understands him to help him through life. Folks, crippled and disfigured by sin and weakness, 
our Savior gives us hope. We are valuable to Him. He understands us. He understands our temptations. He understands our discouragements. He understands our weakness and our struggles. And because of His death and resurrection, we have help and hope in this life and in the life to come. Hallelujah. Jesus knows us intimately and personally. He understands our every thought and our every feeling. So when he corrects us, we can be certain that we deserve it. Hallelujah. And when he comforts us, we can be confident that he knows exactly what we are going through. He is able to help us because he knows exactly what it is for us to endure the trials, the stresses, the afflictions, and the temptations of life. He knows because he experienced it. He is our great high priest, our advocate with the Father, our divine helper who understands us. And as we hold tight to him, he holds tight to us, and he will not let us go. For those of you who do not yet know Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you. You're not here by accident. Jesus is here, and he wants a relationship with you. And that relationship starts with repenting of our sins and believing in him as our Savior. Because we have all sinned, and sin separates us from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the penalty that we deserved for our sins. So now when we repent, and the word repent simply means to turn away from, we recognize we've been heading in the wrong direction, and, and we make a U-turn, and we say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. Forgive me. I turn to you in faith, and I invite you to come live inside of me. And the moment we do that, Jesus says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive, and we are brought into relationship with God as our Heavenly Father and we become a son or daughter of God. And that's the beginning of a lifelong journey in relationship with God. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today or you're listening online and you cannot say with complete confidence, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm a child of God because I know whom I have believed. If you can't say that with full confidence, but you would like to, and you would say, Pastor Maria, pray for me because I want to believe in Jesus. I want to repent of my sins. I want to be forgiven, and I want to know that I'm a child of God. Or, or maybe you did that years ago and you've drifted away and you need to come back. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus. You can just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to encourage us to pray this prayer along with that individual that has raised their hand to encourage them as we pray. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, we want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. Amen. And we welcome you to the family of God. We want to encourage you right now, if you just prayed that prayer, just to text I prayed to the number on the screen or online. You can type I prayed in the comments. Why? Because not only do we want to congratulate you, but we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to help you grow in the Lord because that prayer you prayed is just the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God. So if you do that right now, text I prayed to the number on the screen or online type I prayed, you'll get a response message with a link. Click on that link and fill in your name and email address and we will be glad to send you free of charge this little booklet. But in the meantime, three things I want to encourage those that just prayed and every believer to do to grow in your relationship with the Lord. One, talk to God every day. That's what we call prayer. Start by thanking him for the good things in your life because every good thing comes from him and then talk to him about whatever problems difficulties struggles or decisions you're making and ask his help at a very basic level that's prayer do that every day he's your heavenly father he loves you and he wants to hear from you secondly let God talk to you every day and you say well how does he talk to us many ways but the number one way and the most important way is through the Bible that's his word his message to us if you don't have a printed Bible you can download the YouVersion app for free on your phone you can read there as much as you want there's never a charge Start reading in 1 John and just uh, ask the Lord before you read to help understand what you're reading and to know how to put it into practice in your life. So do that every day. And then thirdly, get connected to a local Assembly of God church. Of course, if you're here in South Florida, we encourage you to be a part of our church family. We have a wonderful, loving, and supportive church family that will help pray for you, lift you up, and walk alongside of you so that you can grow in your walk with the Lord. If you're outside of the South Florida area, then find an Assembly of God church in your area area and get connected. Don't just attend services, but build relationships. Get involved in the ministries because that's how we grow as we build relationships in the body of Christ. But once again, congratulations to those that just prayed. For those of us who have already placed our faith in Christ, the Lord is calling us to hold tight to our faith and to the God who holds tightly to us. He is our great high priest. He understands everything that you're going through. And he invites us to hold tight to him and he will hold on to us and not let us go. And so today, if you will say, Lord, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to hold tight to you. I'm going to hold tight to what I believe from your word. And I'm going to trust that you're holding on to me. If that's your heart's desire and commitment to the Lord, would you stand to your feet right where you are? And would you just talk to him from your heart? He wants to hear your voice and your heart. Just talk to him and make that commitment to the Lord right now to say, Lord, I'm going to hold tight to you and I'm not going to let anything allow me to let go of you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these that are standing this morning as they respond in faith to your word. Thank you for the wonderful invitation of your word to hold tightly to what we believe. And Father, as we stand before you today, we are saying, Lord, we respond in faith and we say, yes, Lord, we will hold tight to what we believe. We will hold tightly to your word. We will hold tightly to your promises and we will hold tightly to you, Lord God, and we will trust that you are holding on to us. Like Paul, we say, we know whom we have believed and we are confident that you are able to keep all that we have committed unto you until the very end, Lord God. We thank you for that this morning and we pray by the strength of your Holy Spirit that you will enable us to hold firmly to our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.